Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Jill and guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. Well, all right. Welcome to Disciples Dialogue. This is our first uh, podcast here on the channel, and i um, glad for all of you who are listening here, uh, whether present or in the future. Hopefully, we have a lot of people who will join us and listen. Um, I'll dive right into the, the first episode here, and honestly, I can honestly say I am excited about my first guest. Um, I, I like to choose my guests wisely, uh, and, and I'm glad to have not only just a friend, a fellow minister uh, of the gospel, uh, but also he's almost like a brother to me. And uh, Brother Blake, Jesse Blake, right here from Radford in the church, FAC Radford. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Brother Blake. It's good to be here, man. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited about this. This is a new <clears throat> a new adventure for me. It's going to be different. Um, this is a new thing that I'm doing. I can know that you and me both um, uh very, you know, we like podcasts. We like we listen to Biblos and Kingdom Speak and all these other podcasts. I'm a fan of podcasts, and so um, not trying to, you know, be a copycat, but at the same time, uh, I know that people here in Radford have a voice and have a testimony, and so sure. we want to get that out as well. I enjoy hearing what God is doing all over the country, all over the world, and so I wanted to open up an opportunity and create a platform for people who we know. Uh, both in the church and not in the church, to to be able to tell about how good God is and what He's doing, and and so that's what Disciples Dialogue is about. It's just people of like faith coming together and talking about the Lord and lifting up His name and His kingdom. And so that's what we'll do to, today. Uh, today we're going to talk about Brother Blake and myself, um, the God of the old and the new. I asked Brother Blake if he would come on to the podcast and. And talk about this, this topic, the God of the new, uh, the old and the new. Um, for anyone who doesn't know Brother Blake, he is probably the most knowledgeable individual when it comes to the Word of God and the, the history of it and the Old Testament and the New Testament. I knew that he would be able to shed some light uh, for you and me, the listeners, um, on this on this subject. And so, uh, Brother Blake, what comes to your mind when you... When you see that title or hear that title, the God of the old and the new. Well, I would start by saying I don't even feel like that I'm that knowledgeable about Scripture. But what I I have had is a lifetime of of hearing the word, and obviously that's going to stick with you. Yes. And uh, when I hear the God of the old and the God of the new, uh, it, it from a preaching standpoint and from a discipleship standpoint. In a study standpoint, we have to be able to find Jesus in the Old Testament. Yeah, uh, obviously we see him throughout the New Testament, but uh, to be able to find him in the types and shadows that we see in the Old Testament, right? I think that that's what it speaks to me personally. Um, I'm not sure how that uh, that other people see it when they read, but reading from a from a point of Holy Ghost filled revelation. I try to see that. I, any story that I read, any account I read, any scripture I read, I try to put Jesus in that situation. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. And I remember um, years and years ago, uh, of course, I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't 
brought up in the faith. I didn't know what even, you know, apostolic meant. And so not being raised up in that, um, when I did start reading the Bible, uh, of course, you know, probably against my better judgment, I started out in Genesis and, um, you know, I thought, well, I'll just read the whole Bible from the beginning to the end and probably not the best way to, to start out for a new person. However, I will say that when I started out in the Old Testament, I, I did not understand that Jesus from the New Testament could be seen and found all throughout those Old Testament scriptures and the writings of of people like Moses and Abraham and, and all these great prophets uh, that we find in the Old Testament. And so to have that revelation, and it's a, I think that it's a revelation that uh, it's not just once you realize it, well, then you're done. I think it's a constant revelation of seeing uh, new times. Even now, you know, I've been in the church for over a decade now, or almost a decade now, and but I can still go to the Old Testament and see something new and see Jesus in a new area, in a new way, and that types and shadows like he was talking about. And so I think it's very incredible to to look for Jesus. And that's I think that's how we should read the Old Testament, to look for Jesus all throughout the Scripture, the Old and the New. I, I agree. I think that um, that the reason why that um, that other denominations and uh, just to to throw it out there, the the Trinitarian denominations, the reason that they have such a difficult time of finding Jesus in the Old Testament is because they're trying to find him in some uh, triune uh, value, some right. some Trinitarian you know mindset. And it's not going to be there. It's just not there. And so they end up uh, being more confused than when they started. Right. Uh, but when you're looking for, as Deuteronomy 6 and 4 tells us, if, you're, if you weigh everything with that, that filter, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, uh, if you weigh everything that we read with that scripture and compare it to that, it has to line up with that right. or we've missed the point. Yeah. And so throughout the Old Testament, you can see Jesus because mm. he's not some lesser God. He's not some... You know, some third member or third wheel that's right. you know breaking up an all powerful unity. Right, <clears throat> he and he's the is, one with all the power. He's the one with all the power. Yeah, uh, you take that same mindset to the New Testament, and you read, like you said, you know uh, Matthew twenty eight and eighteen, and it says, "All power in heaven and earth is given unto him." So mm-hmm. I don't care how many gods they can place in heaven. Right. Uh, then they have no power. Right. And I'm going to worship the one that's got the power. Amen. <clears throat> hey, you look for him, you find him. Well said. Well said. I I, I remember receiving that revelation uh, for the first time, uh, hearing it from probably our pastor, Pastor Joey Hall. And when he said that, you know, even if there were three different entities in heaven, if Jesus is the one with all the power, that's who I'm going to live for, and that's who yeah. I'm going to worship because yeah. these other ones can't do anything for me, yeah. the one with all the powers who, who can help us. And, and, and so, yes, all these places in the, in the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, um, hearken to uh, a greater understanding of who Jesus is. That's I believe that's what the whole book is about. Of course, it's about love. It's about relationship. But I believe that the you know all these nuances in the Old Testament and the New Testament they are to reveal, like the Book of Revelation. It, right. it is the revealing of Jesus Christ. And that one book, the Book of Revelation, is not the only book that should reveal Jesus to us. I think it's all the the. Uh, the compilation of books uh, that reveal Jesus to us. Uh, I want to point something out real quick to you and, and get your thoughts on it because I think you wasn't here on Wednesday night when I talked this last time about prayer. Um, 
what to do when the doing is done. Uh, Pastor Hall yourself was out of town at Maryville Church um, receiving some good training and, and preaching there. Uh, and that night when I taught something, I, I told the church that in studying about prayer and looking, uh, I went back to the my favorite book in, in the Bible, um, if I'm allowed to have a favorite book, and that is Genesis. I love Genesis. I love chapter 1. There's just so much there to uncover. And I told the church that before uh, Wednesday night, I would pretty much dialed it back to the first four words. And I've heard this from my pastor that, you know, if you can't believe the first four words of the Bible, then the rest of the books can be hard to believe, right? In the beginning, God, we have to believe that he is. And the Bible says, believe that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Uh, And so, you you know, when I looked at that, I say, wow, the first four words of the Bible is really speaking to us in the beginning, God. But as I was studying, I went back to Genesis one and one and I was looking at it and I saw something that I didn't see before, and that is the first four words are great in the beginning God, but even before that, something caught my eye, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the first three words, I want to take it back just one more word, uh, the first three words, in the beginning. And when I read that, I just kind of paused, and my mind hearkened to the book of Revelation 1 and 8 that says, when Jesus says, I am Alpha This is Jesus talking in Revelation. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. And so we see Jesus, by his own definition, says, I am the beginning. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. And so if if, when Jesus made that declaration that I am the beginning, I was in the beginning, and then we go back to the book of beginnings, Genesis 1 and 1, and we see it, it starts out the way. So everything, the very foundation of the of the word of God, all of creation, the, the universe, the vastness of the universe started out with the beginning. And that beginning has a name, and his name is Jesus. And so uh, that to me, you know, just really uh, spoke to me that, that the very opening, uh, the outset of the word of God, the inspired word of God, started with Jesus. Well, your confirmation for that is actually John 1 and 1. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. And uh, you, you've studied enough of the Greek, and, and you understand that that, that Word that, that is spoken in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, is the translation of that is Logos. Yeah. And if you break that down, Logos is literally the plan or the mind or the thought. Mm. So... From the very beginning, all right, before anything was, uh, that thought, which we know that living word, if John 1 and 14 says that that word was made flesh. Right. So we understand that that plan, that that mind, the idea, the very essence of God was made flesh. Yes. But yet he was still present in the beginning. Wow. Uh, So, I mean, that is your confirmation that I believe that in the beginning, uh, you know, it was all. It's all about him. It's it is all about Jesus from from Genesis one to one to Revelations twenty two. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that. And and you bring up a, a good point that you know John uh, one and one, John one and fourteen. They confirm uh, what we read in Genesis one and one. And I think, uh, and you and I have probably talked about this a lot before, um, or at least a little bit before. Um, the word should and will confirm itself if it's truth, right? That's right. And and if we go off on a tangent and we have an idea or a thought about something that we want to believe, uh, the best way to separate flesh 
from spirit or what I want to be true versus what is true is God will confirm it in his word. And so if any, I think that any time that we see something or we, you know, something is revealed to us in the word of God, you will be able to go somewhere else in the word of God, maybe old Testament, new Testament, and find another place where God will confirm that. And you don't just have to say, well, it's true because I say it's true. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, if you finish reading that in John one, it literally does confirm everything that that you said about those first three words. The same was in the beginning with God. Wow. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Yeah. In him was that life. Yeah. So the life of creation is in Jesus. That's amazing. Yeah. Every and, part of it. Every you know, people try to uh to say, well, you know, that this contradicts this or mm-hmm. you know, we heard a message actually which you was there who killed King Saul. Yes. And Pastor it, Joel Urshan. Pastor Joel Urshan from uh Gates so he's from Cincinnati, Ohio. <clears throat> but uh, we heard a message preached from him Thursday night about uh, uh, who killed King Saul. And, and when you read that account in the book of Samuel, uh, it says that, uh, you know, the arrow, the archers wounded Saul, but then Saul fell on his own sword. But mm-hmm. then we have a Amalekite that comes and tells David he killed him. Yeah. So who killed King Saul? What happened? And you, people can look at that and say, uh, you know, hey, this, this Bible contradicts itself. Uh, but with the revelation that he read through that through that scripture, right, uh, and let us understand that uh, you know that the enemy can't destroy us on his own, right, and the arrows that you know that are shot at us from you know from the things of this world, the things that we entangle ourselves in, we never know that it's coming. There's just there was so much revelation in that message, <clears throat> but without that, without the Holy Ghost in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that you could easily read that and see, hey, you know, maybe this says he killed him, maybe cause Saul killed himself, and right? Really, what it is. But when you read that with that with that mindset of, you know, th- this is all it all agrees. Yeah. This has to be confirmed somewhere else. Then it, it makes perfect sense. It's uh, study to show, to show thyself. thyself approved. Yeah. A workman needeth not be, be ashamed. ashamed. Rightly dividing. Study. We should be. Uh, good stewards, not just of our finances, but of the study of the word of God. Yeah, and that's something, honestly, I can honestly say, and I don't say this just to, uh, you know, to build you up. I don't, I know that you're not a prideful person, but um, I look to you as, as a leader in my life, uh, not just as a friend, but also a fellow minister. And the knowledge that I know that you have of the word of God, it doesn't, it's not that it, uh, causes me to want to give up, you know, and say, well, you know, I'll never know as much as brother Blake about the word of God. And there's people that I'm sure you view that way, that they just have so much knowledge of the word of God. And that's a great thing, but I could let that be a hindrance to me and say, well, there's no sense in studying. If I want to know something, I'll call brother Blake. Or I could say, you know what? I'm going to use that as fuel to push me into the word of God so that we can have these conversations and talk about God in a deep way uh, but also not just in the deep way, but also in um, in a way that uh, is it, it always doesn't have to be as deep as the ocean. It can be very shallow for people who don't know about God. You know, people of who are not of like faith, and and they don't need us to go into you know breaking down the Godhead. They just need to know that God is. That's right, and that He loves them. And then we we, we you know we move forward from there. Uh, so many good things, but. I want to I want to touch on this real quick. We're talking about the God of the old and the new. Um, we understand that, you know, and Jesus uh, even said this, and he was crucified for this. They they you know claiming to be God. Uh, if you, I remember when I was struggling even with the oneness of God and is he really you know are they one? 
Jesus made it very plain. You know, when the religious people came up to him in the New Testament, you go read about this, and, and they say, well, you know, you're making yourself to be God. He claimed to be doing things, and he claimed to forgive sins and do things that only God himself could do. And and so Jesus would look at them and say things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. Or, uh, I, you know, me and my father and I, we are one. Uh, and so that he, he makes no distinction between the two, but he says, we are one. I and my father are one. Uh, and there's so many areas in the word of God that do that. And Jesus said this, um, but, and so I want to talk to you about this. I know that you're pretty well versed in this, the name of Jesus. First of all, the name Jesus itself, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Jesus literally can be translated as Jehovah saves. Is that, is that right? Yes. Okay, talk about Jehovah that a little bit. Uh, I mean, I've I've heard it said one time before that, and it is it's very interesting to me that uh, anywhere that you and this is just kind of a random random fact, but everywhere in the Old Testament, uh, anywhere you find it in the Hebrew, uh, the word that they use, if you read the word saved or salvation in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew translation of that is Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when David says, uh, you know, he has become my salvation, he's yeah. literally saying he has become my Yeshua. Exactly. He's become my Jesus. My Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we find that throughout all of the, of the old Testament, even just in, in that one word alone. Uh, and again, if you, uh, if you read in and, and just when you was talking about that, about him cl- declaring that he was God, you know, and, and, and they were, you know, criticizing him for it, um, Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Yeah. So he came in the flesh, mm-hmm. and, and because of who he was, he didn't, you know, God is a jealous God. Mm-hmm. I believe if somebody would have came claiming to be him that wasn't him, I don't believe they would have lasted very long, especially by the Old Testament Right, you know, if if you follow the Old Testament, if that's any indication, anybody that set themselves up on a level with God, uh, even look at like Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, he was demoted real quick. Yeah, I sure. mean, so many people that even King Saul, you know, that thought he had everything together and could make so he could do all these things that uh, he wasn't really supposed to be doing, uh, he was demoted. Right. Uh, you look at Moses that. Uh, you know, God gave him a specific instruction. I, I don't want you to smite the rock again. I want you to speak to the rock. Yeah, and and because and this is just a side note, but because Moses wouldn't yield his tongue to the Lord, mm. okay, yeah, because Moses wouldn't allow God to speak through him, yeah, okay, Moses was I, I'm not going to say demoted, but he was not allowed to go in and and That's right. and go to the promised land. He right. was allowed to see it, the physical promised land, the physical land. promised yes. land. Yes, <clears throat> so um, I, I do feel like that that from front to back that you can find even in just the simple things, the word, yeah. and just the, the simple fact that that Jesus made himself. Of, the Bible says he made himself of no reputation, That's even right. knowing who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't come in a spirit of pride and say, I'm God, worship me. Right. Uh, he came as a servant, Yeah. and he's still a servant. I mean, and, and I've heard it said before, if you don't believe that he's still a servant, just call on his name, Yeah. and he's there. Yeah, I think that was uh, Joel Urshan as well. Joel Urshan as well. Yeah, he's he's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, couple of things that as you're talking that jump into my mind, the, the Christians, the early Christians in the book of Acts, uh, in the new Testament were known as people of the way. Uh, and there is only one way 
There, the Bible's clear about this. There is only one way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by me. And so some people can read that and talk about, you know, read that scripture and say, well, there's the distinction, right? There's the, the separation. Uh, Jesus said, no man can come to the Father, talking about someone else, but by me. Uh, and so, but I don't see that as a distinction. I don't see that as, as Jesus in the flesh saying, you can't go talk to a, you know, some big God, yeah, big God up in, in the cloud somewhere, um, unless you do it in my name. I think that what he was uh, referring to was if you don't accept me, the one standing before you, because he also declared, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And so, and we're one. So if you reject me, you reject this God that you, you claim to know and serve, uh, the big G God, but he was the big G God. Um, and so the name of, of Jesus, if we can, uh, we'll just finish on this point right here. The, the name of Jesus, uh, Jehovah saves, there's power in the name of Jesus. Everything that we should, that we do should be in the name of Jesus. The, you know, there's authority in the name of Jesus. When he said, declared all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Therefore, go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. If we can just touch on that point for a, for a second and uh, for people who may be struggling with that, the oneness found in that scripture. And I think that you would do good to, to break that down, uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Well, uh, it can't be broke down any better than... Uh, what Johnny James would break it down. Um, and he goes into the actual uh, grammatical layout of that scripture. Uh, I don't have the knowledge to do that. But uh, what I do know, and, and as I explained to a young man the other day, that was we were talking about baptism. And I've said it just the way that I've heard my pastor say it. And, and it makes perfect sense that, uh, you know, I myself am a, I'm a son. Yeah. I'm a father. Right. Uh, I'm a contractor. I'm a preacher. I'm a lot of things, but that's not my name. Right. And if I write them a check and I sign it, uh, you know, uh, minister, or if I sign it father, or if I sign it son, uh, it has no authority. Yeah. You might take it to the bank. They might cash it, but I mean, it's not. There's no authority behind that check. Right. And if I sign it with my name. Then there is some authority behind that. Your name makes you unique. That my name makes me unique. And and as Pastor said today, um, the first thing you do when you uh, are marrying someone is you take on their name. That's right. And so that name that is above every name that that is the name in heaven and earth. That's the family name of heaven. Amen. That uh, that we have to be called. We have to be covered in that. And we do that through a, a full submission to God's plan. And he lays that out in Matthew 28 and 19. And it, the thing to think about is the people that were there, there was uh, probably 600 people, some say estimates, that were there on the Mount of Olives when Jesus was ascending into heaven. And this was literally, of all the things he could have told them, of all the things, you know, this is my last moments on earth. This could possibly be the most important instructions I'll leave you with before I'm going away, yeah. and you don't know when I'm coming back. Right. And so he tells them this, to, you know, to go ye therefore and baptize them, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We can break that scripture down. We know that Isaiah 9 and 6 says, you know, that uh, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince right. of Peace. We know that, and we know that, you know, that he is the Everlasting Father, so in the name of the Father, you could, okay, that that's Jesus. The Son. 
son, I mean, I don't care who you are, you can't argue. Right. That name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Okay. And even the Holy Ghost. Jesus says, you know, he's going to send the comforter in my name. Right. So what name was he talking about? Yeah. It was the name of Jesus. So if you wanted to just get kind of crazy, you could say, in the name of the Father and uh, in the name of Jesus and in the name of Jesus. Right. You could you repeat know? it three times you and not be wrong. It, yeah. But, but it doesn't, it's not required. But I believe there's more power. I was talking with my wife about this the other day, um, about someone that uh, she said that had been, they had been baptized uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Oh, wow. And they had asked her if they needed to be rebaptized. And my answer to that is uh, the power of being baptized in Jesus' name is partly in the revelation of Jesus' right. name. I agree. All right. If you don't know, I mean, it's like, you know, being baptized in the name of Donald Trump or, you know, paying tithes to Donald Trump. It's like right. there's no connection there. I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't, I don't, we have no relationship. So there's no authority with that. But because we are entering into a relationship with him, and if we understand who he is, yeah. if we understand the power of his name, the authority of his name, if we understand that there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, if we understand that, that he is the God of the old, manifest right. in the new, wow. that without controversy, great is a mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. Yes, I mean, if we understand those things, that that, that living word, was made manifest. Yeah. And, and there's a revelation in that that gives us the authority and the power in our baptism. Wow. It's not just some, and I believe that if the if the revelation is there, I mean, and you're somewhere off by yourself and you don't have a preacher and somebody can baptize you in Jesus' name, let them baptize you in Jesus' name, we'll put it in God's hands. Yeah. But there is also an authority and a power in the revelation of his name. Yeah. And that's why we were baptized in his name because of that revelation. That's incredible. And, and to to that point, I would say that, and I've told people this before. My my, I, I wrestled with this. My great grandmother, before she passed, uh, was dealing with Alzheimer's, and she lost her mind. Uh, she talked in a way that she never did her whole life. She uh, would curse people out, and and that was not her nature. Uh, and and so I wrestled with when she died. You know, did she go to hell over that? Because her whole life, seemingly, as far as I knew. She had lived for God, you know. She wasn't apostolic. She didn't understand. She didn't have that revelation of of apostolic. Um, but to the point that she did, to the amount of understanding she had, I think she lived for God the best she could. And so I really struggled with in the last days of her life, if she was treating people the way she would have never treated them before, before she lost her mind, would God send her to hell? And after talking to several people and getting some counsel on this this uh, subject. Um, this is what we came to, and is and you just talked about it. It's the revelation. It's the understanding, the revelation of what you, uh, of what you have of the name of God, the, the power that He has in His name, uh, and so you're you're accountable for what you know, yeah. right? A, a child who knows no better, um, God forbid, if a child, uh, you know, stole a lollipop out of a store and then loses his or her life. Uh, then I don't think that God's going to judge that child, innocent child who doesn't know any better, just walks out, you know, wants a lollipop. And so there's a there's a, a level of accountability I think that comes along with what you know. The more you know, the more you're accountable, and that's scriptural. It is, uh, but that's not to say that if we look at the Word of God and we see it, but yet we reject it, like the Pharisees yeah. and all the you know the yeah. Sanhedrin and all those. Uh, religious people, Caiaphas, uh, they saw it, they knew they, you know, 
Jesus was walking right before their eyes and, and was proclaiming this, this truth, this gospel, but they rejected him. So I think that there's a, a distinction between not understanding and, and not having it uh, delivered to you to understand Jesus as the mighty God incarnate in flesh uh, versus I see it, but I reject it. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I think goes right along with that. When Jesus is talking to those same Pharisees, uh, it doesn't say that Caiaphas was there, but he very well could have been. I know he was the high priest, but they, you know, he was talking to them and they were telling him that uh, you're not who you say you are. That's what they yeah, were saying. Right. And so Jesus goes on and he tells them, he says, uh, you know, of all sins in this life or the next, you know, they can be forgiven you except the sin of blasphemy. Can't be forgiven in this life or the next. Mm. But then we fast forward and we go to uh, Paul. And Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Right. So which one is it? Yeah. And, and why was it specific when Jesus spoke to those people mm. that he said it couldn't be forgiven? But Paul tells us that it can be. So there, there's obviously something going on in this conversation that most people miss. And a lot of people say, well, if you use the Lord's name in vain, that's blasphemy. That, that's not what was happening. What was happening here in the, is, is so crazy that these Pharisees and these learned people were rejecting who Jesus Christ was. Yeah. They were rejecting, like you said, that revelation exactly. of the name. Exactly. So they seen it. But they chose to reject it. Right. Okay? And, and because they chose to reject it, they would never try to change their mind. That's they true. would never seek repentance. Yeah. They would never ask him or, and come to him and say, you know, God, I was wrong. Mm. I, I missed the mark. And they would never do it because they've been deceived in their own mind. The wow. Bible says that they would believe a lie because they, as a matter of fact, Jesus said it like this, that because they would not receive a love for the truth, that God would send them a strong delusion, right. and they would believe a lie and be damned. That's what it says. Okay, wow. so if someone has received that delusion, if they if they don't grab a hold of the revelation of Jesus Christ when it's presented to them, yeah. when when it's there in black and white and red, and they see it, mm-hmm. and they don't receive that and grab a hold of it, buy the truth and sell it not. Yeah, man, it's a dangerous place to be. You put yourself on a path towards destruction. Yeah, that's in, that's incredible. And there's so many areas and avenues and so many rabbit trails that we could go down in talking about this. Uh, my mind goes to, I think it was the 10, it was 10 lepers that came to, to Jesus. And, uh, you know, he ended up, long story short, he ended up, you know, sending all of them and says, you know, go show yourself to the, to the high priest and, and, and you'll be cleansed and all that. But it was the one who understood in a different way than the other nine, yeah. uh, that I'm going to go back and give thanks. I'm going to go back and 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 you know appreciate, if you will, what Jesus has done for us. And so, uh, you know, and Jesus's reply was, "Well, where's the other nine? Yeah. You know, when I do something for you, and and I I know that that's that's a completely different area, but at the same time, uh, the the tie between those two things that I'm I'm seeing is when you when you see that God is revealing himself to you and you say, Oh, that was real nice, but I'm going to continue going on my path. Then, then you've outright rejected him. That's right. And so anybody who steps foot into an apostolic service or even in passing, if you, if God reveals himself to you in whatever manner or, or way that he wants to, when God reveals truth to you, we have a decision to make. We can either go back to him and say, I see it and I'm going to, uh, receive it. Yeah. Or I can say, 
you know, like the Pharisees, that offends me because of what I've believed my whole life. And so I I don't want to believe, of course it would be easier to believe in a God who you didn't really have to do anything for, right? It'd be nice to just live whatever way I want to live and then still make it to heaven, but that's not what the Bible says. And so uh, believing is the first step, it's not the last step. So there is a responsibility on people to see the gospel, receive the gospel, and then follow the gospel. And that's what, you know, we see that with the uh, apostles, the disciples who are chosen. Uh, Jesus goes up to uh, Peter and John, they're fishing, and he says, follow me. Uh, And so they had a choice to make. This guy has something to offer that that nobody else has offered me. He is the son of God. He is God incarnate in flesh, and he wants me to follow him. I'm going to follow him. And then they, whatever he said, they did. And so same thing for you and I. He comes into my life and he says, look, I'm going to reveal myself to you. Follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men, so to speak. And and then I see Acts 2.38. What do I do with that at that point? I have a decision to make. You have a decision. I, ha- I I can either be obedient to the scriptures or I can say, well, it's just too much work. It's too, too, it's too, it would cost me too much. Yeah. And that's a shame if we choose that it would cost us too much. It, it absolutely is. I, I don't ever want to get to a point where um, – that I'm more in tune with what I want than what God's trying to show me. Yeah. Um, and we do, we come so many times we come to, to church and, and like you said, I, this is going to cost me too much or, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't really want to see this. And again, it, it, it is all back to a, uh, I mean, you look at the old Testament, the, uh, the priest, uh, whenever they were building the articles for the tabernacle. And I, I've said this in teaching many times, but <clears throat> the, uh, the brazen laver, which was the second article of furniture you came to, that he said you give them your looking glasses, your mirrors that yeah. were made out of brass, and that was a highly polished brass. And uh, there's a series called From Heaven to Earth. It's from the POA, uh, Brother Anthony Mangan and Hid G.A. Mangan. I think they developed this series of praying through the tabernacle. <clears throat> but what they say, and, and, and it makes perfect sense, especially when you look at uh, scriptures like we find in, uh, I believe it's in Peter where it says, by the washing and regeneration of the word. Yeah. <clears throat> but when the priest would go to stand over that labor and wash, uh, the first thing he would see is a res- reflection of his face. And so he had to examine himself, am I where I need to be? So he had to understand in that moment, if there's sin in my life and I go one step further into this tabernacle, I'm going to die. Yeah. Wow. So he had to prepare himself there. So there, when we receive that revelation, when we're faced with that in the Word, we have a choice. We can receive that revelation. We can run to Jesus, and he'll receive us, and, and, and hopefully we live happy ever, ever after with him. Or the second choice, and it's not even a choice, if we don't receive it, we make the choice yeah. to walk away. Right. <clears throat> right. You, you said it like this before, and I don't want to butcher it, but nobody's going to wake up in heaven and wonder how in the world did I get here? That's right. This was a mistake. I just, I happened, I happened upon glory. That's not going to happen. It's you have to live an intentional life, but there will be many people. I I recall you saying that will wake up in in hell and say, how in the world, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? What did I do? I missed it somewhere. And I, I just refuse to let that be me. And I, and I pray that anyone who listens to to this podcast, uh, this episode, um, understands that you don't have to go to hell. You do the hell was not created for you. That's it was right. it was created for the fallen angels, for Satan, Lucifer and on all of his followers, one third of the angels in heaven. I believe that 
the Bible declares, and, and so it was not created for you. Hell was not created for you. But there is a place where Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. And there's a mansion. There's a, there's a home in heaven and glory, uh, New Jerusalem, as it's called, with my name on it. And, and it's vacant right now. It's, and it's waiting on me to fill it. Uh, but praise God, there is no vacant home in hell for me waiting on That's me. That's right. I thank God Amen. for that. Amen. Um, and, and we receive the answer to all of this in the book of Hebrews. Uh, I, it's possible that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter who wrote it because it's still just as true. But the solution to all of this is simply harden not your hearts, mm. as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years, what works did they see for 40 years? The ones that tempted him and tried to prove him for 40 years, what did they see? Mm. Because of a rejection of what God had for them. Right. They literally walked every day in a, in a wilderness. They had their needs met. The ones that died True. in the wilderness still ate the manna. Yeah, they, they still did. ate the quail. Yeah, drank but the water. But every day that they walked, and they still drank the water, every day that they walked, well, there dropped another one. Mm. There's another one of them gone. Right. And watched for 40 years as their friends and their family died all around them yeah. because they refused to receive what God had for them. Mm. The, the Bible talks about that, that people. It was a whole generation. A whole generation. A whole generation who refused to... Follow the man of God into a promised land, but rather chose to murmur and complain about everything that happened. And God waited on that whole complaining generation to die off, and he says, now. Now we can take this new generation who's not going to complain, who's not going to murmur, but they're ready to enter into the promise. And I believe that that generation is now for us. They're, they're, you know, not to say that the generation before you and me were, uh, were any type of complainers or didn't have it because they definitely did have it. There is a, there's God always has a people is I guess what I'm trying to say. He will always have a people. And like we've heard it said before, I, I'm going to make sure that I'm in that handful. There is four generations to every movement, mm. four generations. Uh, and I don't have the notes right in front of me. I've got an incredible uh, list of those four generations, but it starts out with the people that experience it firsthand. The people that came out of the wilderness, out of Egypt, yeah, they experienced it firsthand. And then you, if you literally count four generations from that, they've fallen into sin. Wow. Then we find the judges coming on the scene. Mm. All right, and and the the people are a mess from then on. There's literally four generations of a movement right now. The Apostolic Church is four genera- generations past the Azusa Street Revival. Wow. Wow, right? I did not know that. It takes four generations. Because if you think about it, you know, the Bible even says there arose another generation that knew not Joshua. Yeah, exactly. Okay? So what happens is is that if we cannot, uh, uh, Brother Kenneth Carpenter said at this movement conference, before you can have a movement, you got to have men and women that can articulate the message. Wow. All right, so we have to make it the most important thing in our life. Uh, Proverbs twenty three twenty three says, "Buy the truth and sell it not." Yeah, we got to be able to speak this thing. We got to be able to understand it. We want our kids to understand it. Yeah, I want every disciple that comes in this place to be able to understand it and to articulate the message wow. of who Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament and who He is in the New Testament Amen. and what He is today. If not, we will be the last generation mm. of apostolics. Mm. That's good stuff. 
that that word, Brother Blake, and I, you and I have not talked about it, but that word art, articulation has came into my life recently over the last six months, I would say, so many times and from so many different angles. And I think that God is trying to, at least for myself, get a hold of us and get a hold of me and and teach me how to articulate the Word of God. It's it's one thing to you know grab your Bible and walk up in the you know the local mall and and you know have that Turner Burn kind of yeah. uh, message, but that's not the message that Jesus brought into the world. Uh, of course, there there is a message there to preach. Hell is real, and there's people who are going there every day, uh, but. If we can learn to articulate the word of God and to present it on a level that is relevant for the listener. To make them want to. To make them want to. Man, that's so good. And that's what I want this podcast to be about because there's going to be a lot of people who may stumble upon this podcast who will never darken the doors of this church. But if we can articulate the the gospel to them and get on their level, Paul said, I become all things to all men. men. That I might win some. That I might. He didn't say I'm going to win them all, no. but I'm going to. I want to teach it to the very best I can for them, for that person. And for some, I might have to come down a little bit. For some, I might have to rise up a little right. bit. But I'm going to articulate it in such a way that it that it they, they at the end of the day, they're going to have to make a choice. I don't want it. Or I want it. And uh, we've got uh, a little group chat with our, our hyphen group. that uh, and, and one of the, the ladies mentioned the other day that she didn't have the confidence, you know, that uh, to teach a Bible study. And she didn't. She didn't feel like that, you know, she was going to be stumped. If, if she went out and tried to teach somebody that she would just be stumped and may not be able to give them the answer they created. But I teach it. I've said it a hundred times, and, and I've heard it said other places as well, but that God will meet you at the level of your desire. Yes. Uh, so I also believe that he will meet you if you're lost and you're looking, you know, for him. He's going to meet you at your level of knowledge. Sure. I mean, God's not going to send a newborn babe, uh, I'll be honest with you, to hear uh, you know, Brother Raymond Woodward's all in him message. Right. Okay. Right. Or Brother Raymond Woodward's apostolic 2.0 message that mm. he just preached at Maryville. Yes. I mean, mind blowing messages uh, that speak to the body. Uh, but it may not be, and God can do anything. I'm not trying to tie God's hands. I know that that lost people can hear that message because the word works. Yes, uh, it doesn't matter who's preaching it. If it's anointed word of God and it's the truth, it's going to work. But God's going to meet those people on a level they can understand. Mm. And so he's never going to send you that he doesn't equip you. Wow. So if he puts someone in your path that for you to witness to, then he is quite sure that you have every tool you need to reach that particular person. Right. He's not he may not send obviously he's not going to send me to some college campus to talk to a bunch of, you know, PhDs because I don't have the knowledge to connect with them. I'm right. just a just a hillbilly. And in the body, you may be a hand but you may not be a foot. That's right. And he may need a foot in the college campus where, you know, many members, one body. He's needed a foot many times on me, bro. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, that's a good segue into, uh, I think, a good stopping point here. And I'll say this. When I, when I think about the God of the old and the God of the new, of course, scripturally, we've talked about this. We've talked about how Jesus should be revealed to us all throughout the Bible. Uh, it is in the inspired word of God. But also when I see that, when I think about that, my mind went here. And that is, of course, he's the God of the Old Testament, and the New Testament. But personally, he's the God of the old and the new for me. And by that, I mean the old me 
the the me that I used to be before I was baptized in his name, before I was uh, filled with his, uh, his spirit. Uh, I was an old, it, it was an old me, you know, it was a, uh, it was a me that I didn't like. And matter of fact, a lot of other people didn't like that me. Uh, but he was the God of that me as well. That's right. He was still my father. That's right. He was still my God. I just was not serving him. Still reaching. And after being obedient to the scripture, uh, as it was revealed to me, now I, you know, through baptism, the old me died in that water. Uh, the new me, you know, I started living at that point and, and I became a new creature and old things were passed away and all things become new. And we understand that scriptural, uh, but he's also the God of my my newness. He's the God who is walking with me daily. And so for me personally and for you and everyone else, he is the God of the old and the new. Amen. He he's, he's not a God that just shows up once you go through the plan of salvation. He's always been there. Yeah. It's just whether or not we're going to walk with him on the journey. He's uh, God is always, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's always everywhere. He takes up, fills all space and time. Um, but there is a responsibility on the believer, on the behalf of the believer, who when we see it in the Scripture, we are obedient to the Scripture, uh, then he wants to be a God of the new you. Uh, and, and that's not just to say that um, you know God does not change. Yeah. He, he's, he's not uh, a created being. He doesn't change like you and I do. He is constant. Right. He, he is infallible. Uh, God is the only perfect one. And with that, you and I, even though we are we are we are frail, but God does not change. And with that, I, I just want to say that uh, for anybody who is looking to start a relationship with God, we must understand that He is the God of the Old Testament, the New Testament. But He's also the God who's been with you your whole life. He spoke you into existence, and He has a plan for your life, and He wants to be the God in that 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 newness of life when you are be obedient to the Scriptures. That's absolutely true. I I think basically what you said there was is that when we, from the moment we live, the moment we draw our first breath, we all have to have a progressive revelation of who who God is. From a little kid, such as uh, Ezekiel that just walked in <laughs> on us here. Yeah. Um, you know, he understands that there is a God. I mean, we watch him in service. Oh, yes. He's been trained, but his revelation of God uh, is not to the same I mean, obviously, the you know, childlike faith is powerful, and God yes. said, "Except you come as a child, mm -hmm. you can't receive me." I think that's because of the simplicity of God. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why that 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 this you know this convoluted Trinitarian mindset that tries to complicate it to the point where nobody can understand it. Yeah, that's why that it's so wrong. And with a childlike faith, it is a simplicity there of who God is. Yes, and so uh, we start out with that understanding of him and and it doesn't matter i use him as a young child but the children in the faith people that just come into the church they're going to start out with a with a small understanding of god mm. but as we grow as that word begins to feed us and as we're able to handle more meat uh, we receive more and more of a revelation of god yes. the first thing that uh, and I, I was 
you know, out of the church for many, many years. And, and when I started, when, when my life fell apart and, uh, I turned everything over to the Lord, uh, the first revelation that I received, uh, the very first one, it, I, I knew who Jesus was. I had heard it my whole life and, and, but the, uh, there's still a revelation I received about that as well. But, uh, the very first thing that I feel like God really revealed to me that was so heavy, that was so powerful that it just really literally shook me to my core was just how much that he truly loves us. Oh, yes. That revelation alone, when you truly understand how much that he loves us mm. in spite of ourselves, in the old you, he loves you that much. Yeah. The yeah. new you, he loves you that much. Wow. And, man, when, when you understand that, yeah. when you understand just how much, I, I can remember the, the day, and it was something crazy. It was, uh, it's just how that God works, but I was having a really rough time, and uh, a cousin of mine uh, who's also in the truth uh, made mention of some that whatever I think it's called the the beautiful kiss song by David Crowder uh, mm. that we sing it some. Yes. The, and, and as I was listening to that song and kind of praying, uh, I, I feel like that God filled me right then with the revelation of how much He truly loved us. Yeah. And so for me, that song has a special. I, I can't listen to that song without weeping in the Lord because mm. it's like a renewing of that revelation of just how much He loves us. Right. What He's willing to, and Brother Street. Pastor Street, when he came, uh, and just to plug for anniversary services, if you hear this, uh, this next coming weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is our anniversary services. But uh, Brother Street said, if you go to hell, you're going to have to wade through the love of God yeah, to get there. I remember that. So something so simple, but so profound to mm. think about. He loves us that much that he's willing to He's willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes. For God so loved the world that he gave mm. We could, you could pause right there. He gave everything. everything. He, he bankrupted heaven to save us. My, my, my. My goodness. And there's and there's nothing. It's not that God loves you more if you obey the plan of salvation. Uh-huh. God would, God's love for us does not change. While we were yet sinners. He died for he us. He died for us. Wow. And so be encouraged today, listeners. Be encouraged. I'm encouraged today to know that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me, but I do not have to stay there. I don't have to stay a sinner. That's right. And and it's not that he's going to love me more if I obey Acts 2.38, uh, obey the, all, any of the scriptures. He, his love for me does not change, but my love for him does change. It grows. That's right. And and so that's my, my desire is to love him more every day, every day. Amen. Brother Blake, thank you so much for being my first guest. Um, pleasure. I, I really enjoyed this and I can't wait until we can do round two. Uh, I can sit here and talk all day, but, uh, I know you've got stuff to do. You've got roast on that you need to go and have, tend to. There are naps that need to be taken. <laughs> hey man, Jesus took naps. We want to be like That's Jesus. Right. I'm going to be like Jesus. <laughs> all right. Uh, God bless you all. And thank you for joining. Um, Keep an eye out. We got more coming to you from the Disciples Dialogue, uh, probably new podcast every other week um, until we can eventually go to every week. Amen. And so with that, we love you. We're praying for you that God would bless you and keep you. And if you are in the city of Radford, this just came to my mind. I want to say this real quick. If you are in the city of Radford and you do not have a home church, or if you're in the New River Valley and don't have a home church, FAC Radford in Radford, First Apostolic Church of Radford, we would love to have you. Amen. Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Tuesday night prayer meeting. There's all kinds of room for God to do something great in your life. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. God bless you.